interesting passage. But last week, we talked about faith. And specifically, we talked about weak faith. And it's important to note that weak faith is not the same thing as no faith. This conversation I've had with a few of you over the last week, uh, our point last week is it's not, it's not the strength of your faith that matters as much as the object of your faith. That's kind of what we were uh, arguing for and helping hopefully to see. And I want to make sure I state that clearly. Our faith might be weak, but if it's directed to Christ and anchored in Him, it is faith. It's not no faith, it's weak faith. And weak faith is faith. So that was last week's question. What does faith look like? This week's question is how does faith grow? Because as I've had some follow-up conversations with a lot of you, I know this is a huge question on your mind. I I have faith. I believe in Jesus. But I feel like it's not strong in this point in my life. How do I grow in my faith? And we're going to answer that partially tonight. And, And it's interesting. Part of the answer to that question, how do you grow in your faith, is through singing. That's what we have here is a passage. It's a song. And so you grow in your faith even through worship. A worship that looks back on God's past provision. And a worship that looks forward to God's future faithfulness. So that's what we're going to work through in this passage. So let me read it. Exodus chapter 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. Saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The the deeps congealed at the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. And you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O God, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in wonder and glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now were the chiefs of Edom dismayed, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but these are the words of the Lord, and they will stand forever. I think that country songwriters are some of the best storytellers in our modern world. I know y'all are walking out now. I get it. I get it. Uh, I'm actually not a huge country music fan, but I really do agree with that statement. Country 
songwriters are brilliant. Like they write these stories, these captivating stories that draw people in. And people so identify with their songs. They tell stories, stories that connect with people. Crowds, like huge crowds, will come together and they will sing every word of these songs. And they will laugh together and they will cry together and they will hug together. And they will, they will sing these songs because they tell their stories. Kelly and I had the really interesting opportunity recently to uh, attend a Miranda Lambert concert in Greenville. Uh, I don't know Miranda Lambert so much. Uh, I, don't re- I don't really know her songs. Here's how we were there. We were on the 20th row, right in the middle on the floor. This was like in the wellness center. A lot of people were there. Some of you were there. I saw you. <laughs> we were right in the middle on the floor. So my brother-in-law is a lighting technician, and right now he's on tour with her. He's, like, really big in the business. And so whoever he's on tour with at the time, he gives us tickets to go see whoever he's with. And, and that's a, it's a pretty good gig for me. It's, uh, <laughs> and so we were there with this Miranda concert. Um, we were surrounded by thousands of people who really know Miranda Lambert songs. And they, they love her, and they celebrate her, and, and she really is great at what she does. I mean, they, she's got this image, she tells these stories, she writes these songs, and people are there, and I watch them. And it, it was kind of like what I imagine some of you feel like when you go to church. Like if you didn't grow up in church, and you're kind of exploring faith, and you go in, and you're kind of like looking around. Like, what are these people talking about? That's what I felt like in that crowd. I was kind of like, I don't quite get it, but they're getting something that I'm just kind of observing and watching happen. They're laughing together. They're hugging one another. They're crying. And it's really an amazing kind of moment. People connect with her so much. Like, they, they connect with her stories. I love this psalm tonight because it really is that. It's the first psalm of Israel. This is a song. It's a story song of Israel. I have no doubt that if you want to grow in your faith, this song will connect with you. That there are themes and notes that come up in this song that will connect with your heart if you want to grow in your faith. Particularly as it leads us to look back on God's past provision and look forward to his faithfulness. First, I want to show you that faith grows by looking back. I'm going to spend most of our time on this tonight. Maybe you caught the context of this song. We, we kind of skipped uh, the story because the, uh, if you were here the very first week of the semester, we covered the Red Sea story. And so I kind of skipped it now. Now we're coming to the edge of the Red Sea. Israel has just passed through this Red Sea the moment the Egyptians were coming after them. God had saved them. At the end of 14, it says, The Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And they saw the great power of the Lord. They feared Him and they believed in Him. In other words, through their experiences with God in Egypt and then in the wilderness at the edge of the Red Sea and then through this miraculous Red Sea delivery, Israel's faith grew as they watched God provide for them. In the song, you see how they look back on this event through the lens of God's provision for them. Let me give you a few examples through that song. In verse 1, it says, For he has triumphed gloriously, I will sing to the Lord. Verse 2, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Verse 4 says, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. And 7, The greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. In 10 and 11, You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in wonder? 
You stretched out your right hand in 12. The earth swallowed them. They, what they're doing is they're reflecting on the acts of God. Where they've seen Him at work. They reflect on God's faithfulness and they praise Him for what, they've, what He's done for them. They look back on His provision. Even if it was just like, in their case, yesterday. And they're singing the song and look what God did for us. Yesterday. But here's what's really interesting in context. Exodus was written for Israel... But not then. Exodus was written by Moses for Israel years into the wilderness. And so they sing this song for the next 40 years. As they're wandering about in the wilderness waiting to enter into the promised land. Why do they do that? Because they need vivid reminders of how God has acted for them in the past. So that they can believe that he will act for them again. That's really important. So they're remembering what he did yesterday, but they're also remembering it from 10 years ago and then 30 years ago and then 40 years ago. Look what God has done. And when they would sing these songs together, they probably cried together and they probably hugged one another and they probably laughed together at times. And no doubt they doubted. And when they doubted, they sang to remember God's faithfulness. There's something in that for us, right? Coming together regularly in our doubts even in our fears, in the middle of our busyness on a Tuesday night, the week before spring break, are you kidding me? We've got so much to do. But coming together, stopping for a moment, putting aside the anxiety and stress and worshiping together, reflecting on how God has been faithful to His people through the years, reminding one another that He is the same God now that He was then. He is at work in this world. He's at work in our lives even now. This is what we do to get when we come together on Tuesday nights. We remember, we reflect, we worship, we encourage one another in the Lord. But it's not just on Tuesdays. If you're a believer in Christ, this is something you're called to be a part of on Sundays as well in the local church. It's nice to have this meeting on Tuesdays with people your same age and stage in life. It's really special. Uh, And I love it. That's why I'm here. I love being a part of this time with you. But RUF is not the church. Never will be the church. We are but an arm of the church, a mission of the church, an organization sending you to be a part of the local church. And we come together on Sundays as God's people have done for thousands of years. You find a local congregation. You find a place where you can be with people from two-year-olds to 90-year-olds and sing together of God's faithfulness through the years. We need the local body. We need to be reminded on a regular basis that we're not in this thing alone. To worship God over and over again. For the ways that he's provided for you. I think it's worth reflecting on even now. I kind of want you to do this. I want you to reflect for a minute. Where have you seen God at work in your life? Where have you seen, like, what are some of the things that you can recall and bring to mind to celebrate how God's been at work in your life? What can you hang on to as a vivid reminder of God's provision? Where he's delivered you. Where he's provided for you. He's answered you in the desert where he's met your needs. He showed you grace. He's offered you hope. What are some of those times for you? Over the last year, we have been through, you know, a heck of a year in transition. We moved. uh, It was this week a year ago that I was offered this job. And from that day, that crazy, I mean, that was a season of interviewing and all this kind of stuff. A lot of travel. And it was a very stressful time. I was on a mission trip with RUF when I got the phone call um, with a job offer. And then that said in this course of like just this crazy next few months, I won't recap all that, but 
My point is, during, sometime during the summer, after we were kind of on the other side of this like six-month transition, and we got here, and we were really loving it, and we were getting to meet you guys and, and getting to know some of the community, and um, just things were, were, were really like working out well for us. And I was talking to my counselor, um, and I was explaining to him just the ways that we've seen God at work through this transition. And he was so, like, he was so insistent, and he said, hang on to that. Hang on to that. Remember Remember exactly what you're describing right now. The ways that you've seen God at work through this transition. And when things get hard and they're about to get hard again, remember how God has provided for you. And then he'll do it again. That's so important. It's so important to have these vivid reminders of where you've seen God at work and reflect on it. No doubt this Red Sea thing was like the biggest thing in Israel's history of the way God's provided. And so they're bringing it up. So I want to kind of walk you through this like, this way that you can remember both things from years ago, but also things recently. And when I say years ago, I mean, remember this body that you belong to in, in the church. And so I want to walk through some, some historical things that you can remember to reflect on God's faithfulness. Remember that God provided for his people in the Bible. That's really important. Look at Old Testament passages, read books like Genesis and Exodus, read books like Ruth and Job and Isaiah, and see how God has provided for his people many, many, many years ago. How he's come through on his promises, how he answers prayers. Remember those things. Maybe take a psalm. Take a psalm, and, and most likely that psalm is going to be pinned out of a context of God delivering or someone asking for God to deliver. Take Psalm 34, for example, one of my favorite psalms I've clung to for the last three years. And this was a psalm that was written by David in an experience where he had just been delivered from death once again. Somebody was chasing him, trying to kill him. He escaped narrowly, and he's hiding behind a rock, and he's writing this psalm. Take something like Psalm 34 and pray that to God. Take every verse and just read through it and make that a prayer for you of celebrating the way God delivers his people. But you don't have to just go to the Old Testament. You can go to the New Testament. Remember how God has provided for his people in the church, establishing his church in the world, that we now have the gospel of Jesus Christ because people over on the other side of the world were gripped by grace enough to tell people about it. And the word spread and the church grew. And now we have an experience of hearing the gospel on a regular basis. That's amazing. Remember God's faithfulness there. But also remember your actual history. Remember how God has given you perhaps a family that you really love, a heritage. Uh, Grandparents or parents who've cared for you over the years, who've loved you. But for some of you, I know that's not your story. And that's not your home life. So what are some other ways that you can remember? Remember perhaps some of the friends God's given you. Or mentors in your life. People who've encouraged you along the way. Think about the faithful friends God has brought into your life, maybe even over the last few years. Remember even more recently how God's brought you to this place, to Clemson. How he provided for you to be at this school. For many of you, it's the school of your dreams. You're literally kind of living your dream right now. Remember that. God's provided for you. He's brought you here. He's brought you here to have an excellent education, but also to build lasting memories and four short years that last a lifetime. Remember that God brought you here. And if that's not recent enough, remember how God met you in a specific way over the last year, like what I described earlier, how God provided for us during that transition. In a time where you feel deeply discouraged in the Lord, but remember how God provided for you or how he met your needs last week. 
Think about last week. How did God meet your needs last week? You remember that conversation you were so nervous to have, but it went okay? That test that you were so unprepared to take? Remember those plans that you just thought were going to completely fall through, but they didn't? Or, that's not recent enough, remember that God got you out of bed this morning. He put breath in your lungs. Remember that He made your heart beat the way it's supposed to, blood to flow from your body. Remember that God even brought you from wherever you were an hour ago and He brought you into this room to remember. Like there's so much we can remember, right? I think you get the point. I need to get the point, if I'm honest with you. I'm in another stage of life where I've like forgotten everything from a year ago. We're freaking out right now in our home life because we're in the middle of potentially buying a house. And it's so up or down. Even right now, I'm waiting on text to find out about some of the things that, that, that are real issues with our house. This has been so convicting for me to remember God has been faithful in the past. God can be faithful in the present. Remember that. Cling to that. Even when you're freaking out. And more than anything else, let me just add that we need to remember how God has provided for us ultimately in the Son. Right? I think there's a couple of prophetic Verses in this chapter, I think, that are so good. Verse 1, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. In Christ, think about how God has triumphed gloriously. Where God delivered his people Israel through the Red Sea waters. He delivered his church through the red blood baptismal waters. Moving his people from death to life through the waters. We walk from death to life through being baptized into Christ's death where he triumphed gloriously over the grave once again. I want to tell you three things to remember about Jesus. Remember, one, that Jesus is our rescuer. He's the one who brings you from death to life. The second comes in verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And where did he take a seat? At God's right hand. Your right hand, O Lord. And Jesus sat at God's right hand. That's a position of authority. And it's a position of completion. He's done his work. He's seated at God's right hand after shattering his enemies of death. Our enemies of sin and of the devil himself. Jesus took a seat. From where he will rule from all of eternity. So remember that Jesus is our rescuer. But also remember that Jesus is our ruler. I'll tell you the third in a minute. For Israel, they celebrated what God had just done for them. They used that experience to continually press into their faith for years to come. I want to encourage you to find ways and create rhythms in your life, even in your busy college life, to remember, to reflect. A friend of mine who serves as an RUF campus minister in Arkansas, um, he just shared with me something that he started doing on his campus recently. To address the ridiculous pace of college life that you all experience to help students to find time in the middle of their days, literally, to pause and reflect and even pray. Uh, my friend Michael holds a 25-minute, um, it's basically kind of an outdoor small group throughout the week. He does this four or five times on campus. They have this great amphitheater right in the middle of campus. Everybody kind of walks through it. And he holds this 25-minute kind of open-air meditation time. And he calls it like gospel reflections or something. But basically, students come by, they kind of check in, and he reads a Bible story. He asks a couple of questions to reflect on. He leads through a time of just kind of meditation and prayer. And then off you go, back to your class. That's a powerful 25 minutes, well spent. 
Are there ways that you can create rhythms in your life? Rhythms even in the middle of the day. It may not be 25 minutes. It may be five minutes where you stop and pause and remember. Faith grows by looking back. I know I spent a ton of time there. This one's pretty short. Faith also grows by looking forward. The last several verses, the last couple of verses especially of this song, have a future focus. After reflecting on what God has delivered them from, now Israel looks at what God is delivering them to. They sing these lyrics in 17 and 18. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary. O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. Israel sings about a certain future in a land of rest where their faith really grows. Do you know those people who like to read the last few pages of a book before they start the first chapter? I think those people are insane. But I also kind of get it. Uh, Are any of you those people? Okay. Oh, boy. I see a couple. Uh, My daughter Lucy is starting to do this kind of thing with her chapter books. Like, especially if she gets to, like, a tense part. Like, chapter two or three, and she's like, uh, and she'll flip to the back. Okay. And then she'll go back to the story. We do this with movies, too, right? Some people like to know how the movie's going to end before you watch the movie. That's insane. We, we just went through this a couple weekends ago where we watched both Willy Wonka movies with our girls over the course of the same weekend. This was an amazing experience. Freaked them out, especially the original. So we started, I think, which one did we start with? We started with the reboot, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And our girls, they're five and seven. And then later we watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And it's funny because the girls got nervous in the exact same spots. Like, it's a real reboot. I mean, they, it's very similar storyline. So they got nervous in the exact same spots. The, the boy who falls into the chocolate lake and gets sucked right up into the thing. And then the girl with the everlasting gobstopper, and she turns into blueberry, and that's freaky. And, and then her little legs are poking through, and they roll her off. <laughs> and you've got, um, and then there's the kid who gets uh, attacked by the geese in the original, but they changed it to squirrels in the reboot. That's way more freaky. <laughs> so the girls get real nervous during these parts. But I, re- I realized something they were a lot less nervous the second time around, right? Because they they knew how the story would end. They knew that it would resolve. They knew that cute little Charlie and his family would be okay. And that like he would be the last man standing and there would be this inheritance for his family. And they would move from poverty to riches. Sorry, spoiler alert, for two movies at once. But like the girls knew this. I get it. Like you want to read the end of the book because it helps you live out the tension of the middle. It helps you get through the tension. Let Let me tell you something. God's story, the story of history, has a beginning... It has a middle and it has an end. You are living in the middle. That's why it feels like tension. We're reflecting a little bit on the beginning. Can we peek to the end for a minute? Because it really helps us live in the tension of the middle. If you have your Bibles, it's okay if you don't. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation 15. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. Revelation is the end of the story. This is a vision given to Uh, John the Apostle, where God shows him something of the future, something about how things will end for God's people. And there's all these revelations and people get really intimidated uh, by revelation. Uh, You don't need to be intimidated by it. There's some incredible passages like this one. 
And this one in Revelation 15, get this. There's some people, and they're standing by a sea, and they sing a song. Sound a little familiar? So there's some people, they're standing by a sea, and they sing a song. And John literally says that they sang a song that was called the Song of Moses. This is amazing. The first recorded song we have, Exodus 15, Song of Moses. The last recorded, one of the last recorded songs, at least a song that will be in the future, all of eternity that will be sung, it's a Song of Moses. Revelation 15. Very similar themes. Here's some of the lyrics. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, in glorifying your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. How does faith grow? It grows by looking back on what God has done for us, specifically what he's done in Christ. And it grows by looking forward for what he will do for his people in the end. And even this song, the song of the Lamb, the song of Moses, shows us that great and marvelous are God's deeds. He is at work in this world. And he is at work in his people. And he intends to rescue and to rule and to redeem One of my seminary professors uh, named John Currid um, at RTS in Charlotte, he has a great commentary on Exodus, and I've been reading through it this semester, and he's the one who pointed me to this passage. And I want to read you a couple of things that he says about this. He shows the parallels. I love this, the parallels between Israel's situation at the Red Sea and the church's situation at this future sea. Here's what Currid says. He says, The parallels between Israel at the sea and the church at the sea are striking. As Israel moves from a scene of redemption to communion at the sea and then into this inheritance of this land of promise, so too does the church. The church has been finally redeemed by the blood of Christ. It communes at the sea in Revelation 15 and finally it receives an eternal inheritance that is imperishable and it will never fade away. Charlie and his family inherited a chocolate factory. And that's nice. That actually would be incredible. <laughs> if you're in Christ, you need to know that there is an inheritance for you. And the end of the story is that you are with God and you're with his people in his holy abode, as the passage says. That's his home. It's his residence. It's where he lives. The Bible tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can even imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. I want to end with a couple of thoughts. One thing is this. This is not as good as it gets. I think it's a really important message for college students. Because you're told your whole life that this is it. Like you are living your hashtag Clemson moment. And you better make the most of it, right? Like you better, you better live it up. Like don't hold back. 
Take it all in. Savor every moment. Whatever other Instagram hashtag you want to put on it. This is it. Can I just tell you something? This is not it. This is a great time. Like, great time in your life. I love it. Love college life. Love college students. This isn't it. The pressure's off. That's a bogus claim that the world has come up with. This is not as good as it gets for you. Some of you are saying thank you. Because I think you feel that pressure. I think you feel that you've got to make it. Like you've got to do it. Now if you're a believer. These are not the good old days. Your best days are yet to come. And they may be in this life. But I know they're in the next one. Because Moses' first song tells us to remember that not only is Jesus our rescuer, and not only is he our ruler, but the third thing is that Jesus is our redeemer. Verse 13 said, You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed, and you have guided them by your strength to your home. This is good news, guys. This is not our home. My home that I'm struggling to buy is not my home. This college life that you want to make the end is not the end. It's maybe the beginning. God has sent his Redeemer into the world to bring you home. To bring you to his home, to live with him forever. God has brought Israel across the Red Sea to deliver them eventually into this promised land where they would receive rest. God may be bringing you through some rough seas right now. But he promises to work in you and through you to bring you into an ultimate land of rest. Your greatest hope in this season of life is not to just create your moment. This time is really special, but this is not the end of the story. You're in the middle. You're in the middle. That's why it feels like tension. So turn the page. You know, flip to the end of the book sometimes if you need to. Look forward to what God will do when he brings you home along with his entire church that Jesus died for. And so, does this song connect with you? Are there some lyrics here that kind of move you a little bit? I hope so. If so, I want you to look back on how God has been at work in you and in history and look forward to the work that he's yet to do. To remember, to reflect, to come together with God's people as often as possible. To laugh together, cry together, hug each other if you have to. Sing together of your rescuer, your ruler, and your redeemer, and watch your faith grow.